Job chapter 41. This is one of the most fun chapters in the Bible because it describes the dragon. But in ancient times, they did exist all over the world. The Asian people talked about dragons and made artwork that shows the dragon, and so did Europeans and other people around the world. You'll notice by this chapter that certainly J.R.R. Tolkien got all of his information about dragons from this chapter in Job. It perfectly describes the dragon as it's depicted in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings trilogy. So he definitely got his information from the Bible. He was a Bible reader. And of course, Job was written millennia before J.R.R. Tolkien was even born. The reason the Lord describes the dragon in this chapter is to show his own power and fierceness and his own abilities because he created the dragon that was the most fierce animal that ever lived, more fierce than a lion or an elephant or an alligator, or anything else. 1. Dost thou draw Leviathan with an angle, and with a rope thou lettest down his tongue? The Lord is asking Job, Can you put a spear in the dragon, or can you rope its tongue and pull its tongue down? Now this shows you that dragons have long tongues, which we see in all of the artwork. They have long, snake-like tongues. So it's long enough that you could put a rope around it, but you can't because the animal was way too powerful. And you couldn't put a spear in it either. 2. Dost thou put a reed in his nose and with a thorn pierce his jaw? God is asking Job, could you pierce the nose or the jaw of a dragon like you would a fish that you catch in the water? And this shows one clue that dragons do come out of the water, but you can't haul them out of the water like you could a fish on a line. You can't pierce them. 3. Doth he multiply unto thee supplications? Doth he speak unto thee tender things? Meaning, will the dragon beg you to save its life? Will it promise you things and flatter you to save its life? And the answer is no. This also shows that dragons may have had an ability to talk or communicate somehow to humans. Now we see this in the Tolkien novels that the dragon does talk. And also in Genesis, in the garden, the serpent spoke to Eve. The serpent wasn't the same thing as a dragon because it lost its ability to walk and it had to slither on its belly. But evidently, if snakes used to talk, maybe dragons used to talk too. And dragons would be kind of related to the snake because they have scales and stuff like that. But snake scales are really easy to scrape off, and they're really fragile. But the dragon scales are like iron, which we will read of here in a little bit. For doth he make a covenant with thee? Dost thou take him for a servant age during? The Lord is asking Job, Can you strike a bargain with a dragon? Will he make an agreement with you? And can you take him as a servant? Will he agree to be your servant? And the answer is absolutely not. A dragon will just kill us in an instant. They don't answer to people. The Lord made a creature that people could not kill and could not reason with or make an agreement with, could not negotiate with. 
And the Lord is using this as an example to say, if I gave the dragon so much power, how much power do you think I have? If you can't make a covenant with a dragon, then you can't make a covenant with me either, unless I initiate it. 5. Dost thou play with him as a bird, and dost thou bind him for thy damsels? The Lord is saying, can you put him in a cage so that your virgin daughters can play with him? Or will he perch on your wrist like a bird would? Now this shows us that the dragon does have wings like a bird. So we've learned that it's impossible to pierce his skin. But he does have wings and he does spend time in the water. Now there's lots of creatures that fly and also spend time in the water. So that's not hard to believe at all. 6. Feast upon him, do companions, they divide him among the merchants. The Lord is sarcastically saying, Oh yeah, you and your friends eat dragon meat together at your table, and you buy dragon meat at the market. Now this isn't true at all. You could not buy dragon meat, because you can't kill the dragon in the first place. So the Lord is saying, This is an animal that you've never eaten because of its power that I gave to it. The dragon in the Bible is also a metaphor for Satan, because the dragon had no love for human beings. He could never be a pet. You couldn't control him, and he would happily kill you if you were in his way or if you made him mad. This is an animal that had no pity for human beings. 7. Dost thou fill with barbed irons his skin, and with fish spears his head? Again, this is more clues that he did spend time in the water, that dragons came out of the water sometimes, because it's, again, comparing it to a fish. But you can't put a spear through the dragon's head. His head is too hard, and you can't even tie him up with barbed wire. He would just break the wire, and that's if you could get it around him in the first place. 8. Place on him thy hand. Remember the battle. Do not add. The Lord is saying to Job, you know what, if you tried to fight a dragon, you would never forget it and you would never try it again. And that's why people generally didn't try to fight dragons. The only way you could possibly win a battle with a dragon is if the Lord allowed you to. It would take a lot of faith, just as it took faith for David to win the battle against Goliath. But it would be even a greater battle if somebody fought a dragon. So in medieval times, they had lots of stories about knights fighting dragons. But in those stories, the only way that the knight could win the battle is if the Lord was on his side. It wouldn't be by human strength. 9. Lo, the hope of him is found a liar. Also, at his appearance is not one cast down. The Lord is telling Job, There's no hope of fighting a dragon except false hope. And even looking at him would terrify you. Even his appearance would make your heart fill. 10. None so fierce that he doth awake him. And who is he before me stationeth himself? God says to Job, you would never awake a sleeping dragon because it would destroy you. So who are you to question me and cause me to speak to you? Again, he's the one who made the dragon, and the dragon is nothing to God's strength. So who is Job to think that he could question the Lord? Yes, God loves us. He does speak to us, but it's because he loves us. It's not because he owes us anything. He is so powerful. We don't have a right to question him or judge him until we're capable of creating ourselves, which we never are. 
with all the AI and all of the Frankenstein labs that we have around the world, we still cannot create ourselves out of nothing. We can only manipulate what God has already created. So until we can create ourselves out of nothing, we can never question the Lord. 11. Who hath brought before me, and I repay? Under the whole heavens it is mine. God tells Job, Who was ever before me? Whoever gave me anything? I own everything. That's why we can't understand God's ways, because we can't even create what he created. If we can't make air and water and dirt out of nothing, how can we possibly understand his mind? And that's what the Lord is telling Job. You don't know my mind, so you can't question me. 12. I do not keep silent concerning his parts and the matter of might and the grace of his arrangement. God says to Job, I'm going to talk more about how beautiful this dragon is that I created, how his limbs are so perfect. All of the parts of the dragon are so incredible. 13. Who hath uncovered the face of his clothing? Within his double bridle who doth enter? There's two ways of reading this. Either God is saying you cannot skin him and you cannot put a bridle around his snout, or he's saying you cannot open his jaw because it's so strong. No matter how you read this, it shows us that the dragon has a snout and that he has teeth. His jaw shuts like iron, and you can't force him to open his jaw. So he's got a pit bull jaw times a billion, probably. Now we know that he has wings, he has a snout, he goes in water, and he has limbs by all of this description so far. 14. The doors of his face who hath opened Round about his teeth are terrible. Now his teeth go all around just like on a dog. That's what this is describing. And his teeth are like iron. The top teeth and the bottom teeth fit together perfectly so that there's no opening. So he doesn't have any spaces in his jawline like a dog's teeth do. Yet his teeth go all around, just like in the pictures of the dragon. 15. A pride, strong ones of shields, shut up, a close seal. The dragon's pride is in the fact that the scales of his skin cannot be penetrated. His scales are so hard and tight that you can't put an arrow through him. And that's why earlier in the chapter it was saying, you can't pierce him. And that's because God gave him these really hard, tight scales. And that's why he was indestructible. There's nothing they could do to defeat the dragon except by a miracle of the Lord, they would never be able to tie him up. They couldn't tie him in barbed wire. They couldn't tie his jaw. They couldn't pierce him. 16. One unto another they draw nigh, and air doth not enter between them. The scales of his skin were fastened together side by side so tight the air could not pass between those scales. This is an incredible creature that God made, a mind-boggling creature, because Air cannot pass through his skin. It's impossible. It's basically impossible to kill the dragon. They died of old age. And he has no regard for humans and no pity on humans. He had quite a personality. This was an amazing, amazing animal. Now, I don't have a hard time believing in dragons at all because look at all the other amazing 
creatures that God has made and how diverse the people are even. Look at all of our different colors, shapes, and sizes. Look at the flowers. And the eel is electric, so I don't have any hard time believing that a dragon could breathe fire. 17. One unto another they adhere, they stick together, and are not separated. And that talks about the scales of the dragon. You can't separate those scales. Now, in the J.R.R. Tolkien novels, the only way they could kill the dragon was if they found the one part of his body where a scale was missing. So that goes along with what this is saying, except in the Bible, no scales are missing. But in The Hobbit, that dragon had a defect, and it was missing a scale, and that's why they were able to pierce it in that one spot. 18. His sneezings cause light to shine, and his eyes are as the eyelids of the dawn. The dragon had sulfur fire inside its body that somehow came from somewhere in its body and went up its trachea or its esophagus and lit up its face, so its eyelids were glowing with a red glow that was like the sun coming up in the morning, you know, when the sun looks red, and he had sparks of fire coming out of his mouth. 19. Out of his mouth do flames go, sparks of fire escape. And in verse 18, it said that when he snorted or sneezed, fire came out of his nose. 20. Out of his nostrils goeth forth smoke, as a blown pot and reeds. This shows that he had both steam and smoke coming out of his nostrils when he snorted. Because as a blown pot, that might mean a boiling cauldron. Steam comes out of a pot. But reeds, when you burn them, smoke comes out. So he had steam and smoke coming out of his mouth and nostrils. 21. His breath setteth coals on fire, and a flame from his mouth goeth forth. He could light a fire if he breathed on coals or wood. You know, the dragon could set your house on fire if he was mad at you. He could just breathe on your house and then fly away. And I'm sure dragons did that sometimes. 22. In his neck lodge doth strength, and before him doth grief exult. He had a lot of strength in his neck which matches the descriptions that people gave of him all over the world, that he had a long, powerful neck. It says sorrow goes before the dragon, and that's true because if you see a dragon flying toward your house or your village, you would definitely be sad because you knew destruction was coming. This is exactly like the dragon in Tolkien's novels. He definitely got all of his information out of this chapter. 23. The flakes of his flesh have adhered firm upon him. It is not removed. The flakes are the scales of his flesh. They are stuck to him like the hardest glue, and you cannot get those off. You know how you can use a knife and scrape the flakes off of a fish? Well, you can't do that to a dragon. 24. His heart is firm as a stone. Yea, firm as the lower piece. It says his heart is as hard as the lower millstone. And that could be two different types of hardness. One would be an emotional hardness because he has no pity or sympathy on anyone. And then the other hardness could be because you just can't put a dart in his heart. You can't kill him. 25. From his rising are the mighty afraid. From breakings they keep themselves free. 
When he raised up from sleep, it was terrifying if anybody saw. And also when he raised up into the sky and was flying around, it terrified people when they saw him. 26. The sword of his overtaker standeth not, spear, dart, and lance. If you try to throw a sword or a dart or a spear at him, it will not stick in his body and stay where you threw it. It'll just bounce right back off. People had tried to defend themselves by throwing spears at the dragon, and the spears just bounced off of him. 27. He reckoneth iron as straw, brass as rotten wood. If you tried to put an iron spear into him, it would be like trying to stab him with a piece of straw. If you tried to stab him with a brass spear, it would be like trying to stab him with rotten wood, and they would just splinter and crumble. This was an indestructible animal that God created. It's just amazing. I don't know how they became extinct, but I don't know if it was in the flood or just because food became too scarce for them because they probably had to eat a lot. But you know, dragons are kind of related to lizards and things, and they were just big lizard-type animals. So it could be that animals don't live long enough to get that big anymore. So maybe dragons just stopped growing that big, that they could be that terrifying to people. That's a possibility too. 28. The son of the bow doth not cause him to flee. Turned by him into stubble are stones of the sling. If you have a huge slingshot weapon and you hurl that at him, kind of like in a cannon type way, it'll just be like hitting him with a little pebble. It wouldn't bring him down, and the arrows couldn't bring him down either. 29. As stubble have darts been reckoned, and he laugheth at the shaking of a javelin. So if you held a javelin up to him and shook it to show him that you're going to throw it, he would just laugh in your face. 30. Under him are sharp points of clay. He spreadeth gold on the mire. It says that he likes to lay down on pot sheards. So the dragon actually enjoys laying down on what was torture for Job to lay on, because he was sitting on the pot sheards and in ashes, and he was using the pot sheards to scrape his skin because he was in so much pain from the boils that covered his body. But a dragon would lay on pot sheards for pleasure, because the dragon's body wasn't covered in boils, it was covered in these iron-hard scales that couldn't be penetrated. A dragon could probably sleep easily on a bed of nails and not have any discomfort at all because of those scales on his skin. So this is an interesting comparison between Job's skin that's pretty much worthless to him right now. He has severe autoimmune problems and his skin is causing him pain and his skin is penetrated by boils and sores. But the dragon's skin is impenetrable and his skin is his refuge and his pride, and it can't be harmed in any way. And the dragon is a hateful creature. He doesn't care about humans. But God made him that way for a specific purpose. Maybe God used the dragon to terrify the pagans every now and then to keep them in line because they were so stubborn in their sins. I don't know. But he used an animal that didn't have a lot of emotions and feelings for us, unlike a lot of other creatures that God made. And Job is here totally terrified in his own skin. Rather than having refuge in his skin, he's terrified of his own life 
and his own skin that covers him. It's a very strong contrast. And Job wants to love and be loved, but the dragon didn't have that desire at all. There's also an interesting look here at how Satan is so merciless toward human beings. And maybe that's why the dragon became a metaphor for Satan in the Bible, because the dragon had no affection toward humans. And it says that the water under him becomes miry, golden mire. And that's because the dragon had his own heat source and his own fire source. And so when he was swimming around or slithering around in water, it would have this murky, golden, metallic glow to the water. And we see that with some other creatures that God has made. There's other creatures that cause kind of a metallic murkiness under them when they slither around in the water. But with a dragon, it was golden because of all of the heat, probably, and the sulfur. 31. He causeth to boil as a pot the deep, the sea he maketh as a pot of ointment. So wherever the dragon is swimming below water or on the surface, he causes the water around him to boil. This was a very hot animal. He had his own heat source. Now look at kittens. They purr and no scientist can explain how or why a kitten purrs. So if a kitten can have a little motor inside of it, then God can put a heat source inside a dragon. There's no limits with God. He can create anything he wants. And even people get really hot when they're sleeping sometimes. 32. After him he causeth a path to shine. One thinketh the deep to be hoary. Behind the path of the dragon you see this shining, metallic, slithering ointment that's being created in the water by his body. And we even see that with snakes today. Snakes have a little bit of that, but it's not boiling hot and it isn't golden because they don't have all that heat that the dragon had. 33. There is not on the earth his like that is made without terror. So he was the most terrifying animal ever created on this planet. And so he was a good metaphor for Satan. But remember, God created Satan and the dragon, and God has full power over both of them. That's why we don't have to ever be afraid of Satan. He has supernatural powers that you and I don't have, but it doesn't matter because Jesus is alive in us, and Jesus created Satan. So we have nothing to worry about when we walk in faith and obedience to the Lord. We can command Satan to leave just by saying Jesus' name. And he has to go because of the power of Jesus alive in us. 34. Every high thing he doth see, he is king over all sons of pride. The dragon is king over the lion, and the dragon could fly. He could see the whole earth by looking down on it from the air. And it showed us earlier that he had wings. So he was a water animal, a land animal, and an air animal. He could go anywhere he wanted. He terrorized everywhere he went. God made Satan too, and just as he caused the dragon in its large existence to be extinct, he will one day extinguish Satan forever and put him in fire forever. And that concludes Job chapter 41. That entire chapter was about the dragon, but it was really about the power of God. The Lord was saying, I'm the one who made that creature. And I'm the one who's in control of everything.